0: Good morning brothers and sisters, welcome to our New Breed Church stream. We are sorry that this was not a live stream at 11, but let me just remind us of something really quick. I want to read from 2 Corinthians as Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction. Though we comfort ourselves, we receive from God. And brothers and sisters and, and visitors and guests this morning, I just want to take a moment to exalt the name of the Lord this morning. Our stream has been a little delayed. Uh, maybe this week has been tough for you. Maybe this moment has thrown off the, the routine of Sunday. Maybe you are like Paul in the Second Corinthians when he says, We despise life itself. But there is a future hope, a future glory that God is preparing for all of us in Christ Jesus. And I'm here to tell you this morning that our comfort, that our hope is not time-bound in the Lord right now. Meaning, if you don't get that comfort in the Lord Jesus Christ right now, that doesn't mean that it won't come. It just means that it is on His time, brothers and sisters. It is on His time. So let's take hope and comfort in the Lord's Word, in His work, in His people, um, in our lives this morning. Amen. I want to uh, kind of pick up where we've been leaving off, as Brother John said, over the past three weeks. We've taken a break from the Daniel series, and uh, we can't wait to get back into Daniel chapter 9. Is that correct? And you'll notice that we'll pick up with Daniel once again, and he'll be fasting when we meet him again in the text. And so, uh, as Brother John said, week th- two weeks ago, we talked about prayer as a model um for for faithfulness when the when the world stands and we bow to the risen savior to the king to to god to the triune god of the universe um we do that with prayer with meditation on scripture and fasting as we'll talk about today uh and so i want to continue in our uh mini-series of spiritual disciplines with this is all a credit to the Holy Spirit. Some of you guys said this is fitting perfectly. This is a credit to the Holy Spirit. This is not some great exegetical gift that I am or Brother John is. This is a credit to the Holy Spirit. And so if you would this morning, uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. Matthew 6, verse 17 and 18, and you probably had time to get there already. And I just want to preach uh, from this text, and also put your thumb on Isaiah 58. Um, the Lord rewards biblical fasting. The Lord rewards biblical fasting. And I'm here to tell you that this is not, um, this is not something that will be just in one text, but it will kind of jump around to different texts, uh, from, a, from a whole Bible, from Exodus to Matthew... Uh, So get some pen and paper uh, and take notes and go back and and look at these texts. And by the grace of God, you will be encouraged and he will be exalted. So the big big idea this morning, church, is that the reward of biblical fasting is to see and experience the character of God. Let's read the text. When you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put on oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Father, as we just come before you, we just give you all the praise and the glory and the honor that we exalt your name high and lifted up above anything we could ever do, accomplish, achieve, or strive to be like, Father. Father, you call us to be holy. You call us to be perfect, just like you. And Father, we know that that's not something we do on our own, but it's something we do in submission to you. Father, help us fix the posture of our heart right now. Help us fix the posture of our mind right now. Help us fix the posture of our hands as we just sit and listen to your word, Father, as we come to you, looking to be like you and renewed by your spirit. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple years ago, really, in college, the 2006 to 2011 portion of my life, uh, I spent five years in college, yeah, the math is right there, Uh, I worked at a camp, uh, and at the camp we would receive kids from the inner city, from St. Louis, Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, and so it it was packed with a lot of things. Uh, And one of the things that we had instituted, that the camp had instituted when people would misbehave, such as fighting or some uh, code of conduct violation that was serious uh, to the point of like physical harm or just was just really high in in effect to the whole camp, uh, you would be dropped to level red. And level red was awesome because when level red came for the young man or young woman, they would have to miss a meal. And so... When everyone lined up for breakfast or lunch or dinner, based upon when the infraction happened, uh, the camper would have to miss a meal. And the beauty is, we kind of told the kids that whatever they do, we have to do because we wanted to model Christ in their affliction. (laughs) We're going to share this with you. Uh, And so we would have to miss a meal. The camp counselor would say, hey, do you want to miss a meal? Do you want me to miss this meal? And so we would say, well, if Johnny got into a fight yesterday and you had to miss yesterday, I'll miss today. And so that's how we would break it up. And so I find myself sitting outside of the dining hall, looking at the dining hall, smelling everything in the dining hall with the kid who's hungry and mad. And we're just both hungry and mad and frustrated. And we sit there and... The kids come marching out of the dining hall, and I look at little Johnny and say, all right, now we can go play sports now, and that's what we would do. And this would happen time and time again. For two to three years in college, I did this every summer. And I'm sitting here as I'm reading the words of Christ, and as I'm, as I'm reading the Old Testament scripture, I'm realizing that in my fasting, I didn't go to the Lord. I did not show little Johnny why we were fasting, The reason that fasting is something that we should practice as a believer in Christ Jesus, we just sat outside hungry with no sustenance, with no reason for the season, and with no guidance from the Lord himself. Silly, right? Because now Johnny's not only mad and missing a meal, but he has no idea why Mr. Lance is sitting there with him and why Mr. Lance is fasting with him. And so, church, I just want to allow us to pause for a moment. It's kind of going to be scattered, but just stick with me faithfully. Get pen and paper, like I said. And I want us to look at the reasons that people, God's people, have fasted in particular in the Bible. And Brother John kind of alluded to that already um, when we commission brothers and sisters into ministry. But there's a lot more reasons. And I believe that the reasons that I'm going to list will apply to you. None of us are immune from from fasting, and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, It it might look different for some of us as believers, brothers and sisters, with different health reasons, consultations. But um, notice when Jesus says, if you decide to fast, he didn't say that. He said, when you fast. This is expected spiritual discipline that's been practiced since the book of Exodus. And so we'll get to that in a second. But in the book, uh, Spiritual Disciplines for the Sake of Godliness, not to conform to the image of this world, but for the sake of godliness, um, Don Whitney lists nine reasons that the believer should fast. Um, and so I'll give you a moment, and I'll say I'm slow. Reason number one, to strengthen prayer. Reason number two, to humble oneself before God. Reason number three, to seek God's guidance. Reason number four, to express grief. Reason number five, To seek deliverance and protection. Reason number six. To express repentance and to return to God. Reason number seven. To express concern for the work of God. Reason number eight. To overcome temptation and dedication to God. Reason number nine. To express love and worship towards God. Now I know those are nine reasons, and you may not have written them down all at once, but go back and hit the little scroll button and get them all again, or just call me, or just call one of us, and we'll lend you the book or sit with you and tell you the book. Um, But I want us to know that fasting is something that we should be practicing. Um, I think it's something that is not uh, always given um, the the teaching that, you know. comes along with other theological principles in the, script, in the text. But I think this is very important, especially as we continue to read the book of Daniel, especially as we continue to try to love our neighbors well in this world. We don't do it on our own strength, but we do it uh, with the strength of the Lord. And so we pick up on the Sermon on the Mount. Once again, it's been like one of my favorite passages of scripture to preach. I don't even know why it just is. But uh, we're dealing with issues of the heart. So these people, uh, religious folk, Uh, Would exaggerate themselves when fasting they would come out into the square and say oh I'm hungry, I'm tired, oh, I'm doing it for the Lord, I'm doing it for God. You know, they were being extra, as we would call it. They were being extra. Uh, in the same vein as praying, uh, they fasted for show sure, because we talked about how they would come out into the, into the, in front of the church, the synagogue, and they would just be like, all right, I'm going to say this big old prayer so everybody can see my holiness on display. Uh, I'm going to do it for the people, because this is what they expect of me in many ways. Um, the problem with that is that Jesus is telling them, Hey, when you go fast, go to your father in secret as he will reward you in secret. You know, Jesus is saying, look, you see these Pharisees fasting in the public square, but their fasting has nothing to do with me and everything to do with them. Nothing to do with me and everything to do with them. Yes, this is all leading up to pastor's. Pastor Michael's sermon next week, and I'm so excited when we get there as we look at Daniel fasting, but if we are to fast faithfully, uh, it is for the purposes of godliness and to look like Jesus and to walk the way he calls us to. Jesus is rebuking those who pray and fast in public, uh, which reminds us that fasting is a personal matter with the Father. Now, it's also a corporate matter, as we'll kind of allude to a little bit later, but fasting should cause us to feast on the Father. It should cause us to feast on the Father. Fasting is a a humbling of oneself before God, as we talked about before. It is saying, God, I'm going to put my bodily needs before you, and my life is literally, blood sugar is in your hands. (laughs) Like, if we believe Colossians 1, we believe Colossians 1, right? Like, my blood sugar is being sustained by your kindness and grace and mercy. Now, once again, I say that with a disclaimer of if, if we need to tweak that later, just come talk to us. But it is a humbling of oneself before God. So when we go and display and say, hey, brother, now I'm at work today. I'm fasting. Man, I want to look like Jesus. That, that's not quite the idea. That's not quite the idea, church. Um, see, it puts God, when we fast, it puts God in the not so awkward position, uh, not so. Let me say that again. <clears throat> when we fast. It puts God in the not so awkward position of having to save the day in our daily walk. He has to save the day in our daily walk. Because when I fast, I'm weak. I'm tired. You know, I don't want that to be on full display. And God is not saying, hey, don't do anything, just sit and fast. But He's saying, trust me. Look at me. Pursue me when you fast. We don't do it for show, but we do it. A fellowship and feast on the Father. And so I know I just listed nine different reasons listed in Don Whitney's book that we fast, but I only chose three. Uh, I really wrestled with this church. I got to be honest because there were, I could have did nine points or we could have just did topical, but, um, I really prayed and I asked the Lord to help me see what our body needs. And some of you may disagree and that's fine, but this is what the Lord told me. Um, and I got three reasons that, um, that I want to share with Newbury Church in particular, um, in our context in particular. Uh, One is fasting as a form of grief. Fasting as a form of grief. Two, fasting should help us deal with sin and temptation. Fasting should help us deal with sin and temptation. And three, fasting for our reward, fellowship with the Father. Fasting for our reward, fellowship with the Father. And so those are the three reasons that um, I'm going to kind of lay out. But once again, you can go back and um, I'm going to give you other texts that you can go to. Um, So just stick with us this morning. But those are the three reasons that I uh, just felt impressed to share with you. Um, And first, fasting as a form of grief. First point. Fasting is not new to the modern-day church, brothers and sisters. It's not a New Testament thing. It's not a uh, New Age Whole Foods thing. Uh, it's first documented in Scripture uh, way, way, way back in, um, in the book of Exodus. Um, but before we get to that, I'll give you an idea of what it looked like for the people of God to fast. So they would put oil on the head uh, and wash one's face. Um, I'm sorry. Essentially, fasting would cause a person not to eat for a certain amount of time in order to get close to God, as Brother John was saying. Uh, fasting was something done uh, on many occasions. Um, the religious folk had turned this into occasion of self-pity. Of self-pity, they would gather and focus on their physical condition, uh, which would not be the reason that Jesus wanted them to do that. We see fasting first, and I'll jump to... Exodus 40, 34. Uh, Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He did not break, eat bread, or drink water. He wrote down the tablets of the word on the covenant of the Ten Commandments. That is the very first point uh, in Scripture where we see fasting occur. And that's actually jumping to my third point, but I just want to let you know that it is a thing that has been done over time in a Bible context. Uh, Essentially, the people would Put, sash, put ash and sackcloth um, as a way of grieving, as a way of mourning, um, and we'll kind of get to that in a minute. The idea is that Jesus would be our sustenance. Psalm thirty-five, thirteen, 13, uh, fasting as a form of grief. Yet when they were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself when fasting. When my prayers returned to me unanswered, I went about mourning as though for my friend or brother, I bowed my head in grief, as though weeping for my mother. That's David. In Joel 2.12, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart when fasting and weeping and mourning. We see more grief. 2 Samuel one twelve. They mourned and wept and fasted till evening for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the army of the Lord and for the nation of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. This is when Saul and Jonathan were killed by the Philistines we see more grieving and fasting going together. Brothers and sisters, we can grieve faithfully, and while grieving, we look toward the heavens. God cares deeply about life and death of a friend or a brother or a brother or sister. And even now, as we position ourselves as a church to deal with the front and center issues of our time, whether it be uh, the, the people of color being mistreated in our society, uh, whether it be uh, children, how they're being treated, whether it be our brothers and sisters across the border, or whether it be anything that's maybe be happening and hurting us, because we can't just watch from afar and say, oh, that has nothing to do with the church. Uh, whether we join in or not, we can still grieve. If you're struggling on where to fit in in this society right now, maybe it's first you grieve. Maybe it's first you grieve that the people of God uh, made in His image and people of God have been mistreated, and that it just hurts at times. It just hurts the death of someone who we know, the death of a loved one, the death of a spouse, the death of whatever, whatever like just causes this, this, this brokenness to well up inside us. We can we can grieve, and when we grieve, we can fast. We can fast because the Lord has implemented this institution of discipline for us as a form of grief, as we see. So when we grieve and we hurt, we can fast. we can mourn. There's a faithful way to mourn. We don't just say, oh, uh, it doesn't matter, or oh, let me just try to get over it. Um, We can grieve in a biblical sense, brothers and sisters. We can grieve in a biblical sense. And redemption is not here, ultimately. We know that we can't Um, bring loved ones back from the dead. We know that we can't change uh, sweeping policy over the nation, over the country, over this world, but we know that we can go to the Father in grief and say, it hurts, Lord. It hurts. I can tell you right now, uh, I read that uh, Corinthians passage uh, with you this morning because I really felt that way preparing for this week. Like, it was hard. It was hard. Ironically enough, it's probably been the hardest week of my life preparing for a sermon. Um, and it's something that I would just kind of charge the brothers who are wanting to be in ministry uh, later in their, in, in, in their ministry. And they want to go for eldership or pastoralship. Um, be ready <laughs> to go to the Lord weekly, daily. Um, and if grief is a part of that, that's okay. That's okay. Because he's there to listen. That is Okay. So fasting as a form of grief is why we do it. But we don't grieve publicly to get the the praises and the it'll be okay from people. We grieve with the Father because he's already the one who knows uh, what it's like to hurt and to lose a loved one, his son. He knows. He knows. He knows. And Jesus knows knows how to grieve when he's separated on the cross from his father by taking on the whole world's sins. They know grief. They know grief. It's okay. We can grieve with them and we can fast while we do it. Fasting, point two, should help us deal with sin and temptation. Fasting should help us deal with sin and temptation. The people that were fasting in the town square weren't trying to deal with their sin. They weren't trying to deal with with any temptation. They were just doing it for show. I'm going to read Isaiah 58 if you would turn there with me. It's 14 verses, but I think it's it's meaty, but I think it's 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 helpful for us to see. Isaiah 58. Cry out loudly. Don't hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. They seek me day after day and delight to know my ways like a nation that does what is right and does not abandon the justice of their God. They ask me for righteous judgments They delight in their nearness of God. Why have we fasted but you have not seen? We have denied ourselves but you haven't noticed. Look, you do as you please on the day of your fast and oppress all your workers. You fast with contention and strife to strike viciously with your fists. You cannot fast as you do today, hoping to make your voice heard on high. Will the fast I choose be like this, a day for a person to deny himself, to bow his head like a reed, and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, and a day acceptable to the Lord? Isn't this a fast I I choose, to break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to tear off every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the poor and homeless into your house, to clothe the naked when you see him, and not to ignore your own flesh and blood? Then your light will appear like the dawn, and your recovery will come quickly. Your righteousness will go before you, and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. At the time when you call, the Lord will answer. When you cry out, he will say, Here I am. If you get rid of the yoke among you, the finger pointing and the malice, malicious speaking, And if you offer yourself to to the hungry and to satisfy the afflicted one, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will be like noonday. The Lord will always lead you, satisfy you in the partured land and strengthen your bones. You will be like a watered garden and like a spring whose water never runs dry. Some of you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will restore the foundations laid long ago. And you will be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of the streets where people live. If you keep from desecrating the Sabbath, from doing whatever you want on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and a holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it not going your own ways, seeking your own pleasure or talking business, then you will delight in the Lord. And I will make, your, make you ride over the heights of the land and let, your, and let you enjoy the heritage Of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Brothers and sisters, when we fast, we can also feast on the heritage of the Lord. And that is one of faithfulness and allowing his people to pursue him to turn from sin and wickedness. God is not honoring the fast of Israel here because their fasting leads them to sin. Crazy, right? Their fasting literally leads them to start fights (laughs) and they ignore people. Like, oh, this is my thing, so I can't really, like, be helpful to you. That's not what fasting is. It should not lead us into sin. It should not lead us into sin. And so we got to ask ourselves, when we fast, do we seek to be transformed by the Lord in the midst of it? Do we seek to confess sin? Do we seek to talk about sin with our family? This text can and should lead us to corporate repentance as well. We as a church have much to ask God's forgiveness on. That's not like me just saying, oh, everyone's a sinner. But like, if we deny ourselves that, that reality that we, we shouldn't say, Lord, forgive us in this season. Whether it be speaking up for injustice locally, nationally, globally, Newbury, we're not off the hook. Have we been faithful to tithe, to gather around God's word, to love our spouses, be intentional with our children, confess sin to one another, confess sin to God. Have we been faithful to do that? And so this is for us too. We can, we can fast privately, uh, one on, you know, by ourselves, or we can even call for a fast. In, in Don Whitney's book, it says that we can call for a fast as a church together. That's okay. Now, we don't go into the public square and make a big fuss about it, but we can say, hey, brothers and sisters, you know, we got a season coming up where we might be another six to eight weeks without gathering, and this is hurtful for the body. Maybe we fast. I don't know. The pain of fasting should remind us why it's painful for a father to crush his son. We must deal with our sin. The pain of fasting should remind us the pain that it was for the father to crush his son. Think about the transforming power of God's grace bringing up into his glory. We fight well for the faith and the holiness of one another. Spousal pain hurts. Children are tough. The world is tough. We grieve and we fast. In May of 2019, my wife, and I suffered a miscarriage. Uh, this was after having our first child in April of 2018, Theophilus. And so we got pregnant again of May of 2019. And it was so unbelievable because it was like, wow, how so soon? This is, this is crazy. But we, we, we had a miscarriage in May of 2019. Uh, the miscarriage was hard. It was painful. Many tearful nights, many... Nice. we're just trying to figure out how, how to reconcile this, this thing that just happened because we had a child. God calls us to procreate and be fruitful and multiply, and then we were pregnant with child, and then we lost the child, and so that was just hard to deal with. It was just really hard to deal with, and um, I remember that summer we went to a um, gospel fest, I think it was in Chickasaw or Iroquois Park, and we're, we're still just broken. We're still just broken, and you just know, spouses just know we're still just recovering, And there's a tent set up, and there is a church, um, and they have a a section where they can come, and they'll pray for you. And I just kind of walk over by myself, and I'm going to check it out because, I don't know, sometimes I don't always go to places and get prayed over. I don't know who's praying over me. But I get there, and the Spirit just says, here's what happened. Pray for our family. And so an older couple stood up, and they said, hey, honey, his wife, go get the oil. Let's lay hands on this couple. And they did. And they prayed over us. And I don't know what denomination they were. I may have asked, but I didn't care in the moment. And in that moment, I looked at my wife and said, how can we deny the spiritual things of God in our walk? Let's fast, honey. Let's fast. And so we would fast, it led us to fasting, like, because it was a combination of just the grief just coming out as they were praying for us so intimately. They, they literally laid oil on our heads, and they, they, they hugged us, they grabbed us tight, um, and when we looked up, we were both just weeping <laughs> uncontrollably, just weeping. And it was a beautiful moment that just did a lot of things for me uh, as, as, a, as a Southern Baptist guy who somehow we put these disciplines and these these, these miraculous moments of God and, and fasting on the back burner. And I'm just like, how can we? Because I felt so whole and so restored. And I'm telling you, when I look at Mahalia Ann Marie Lofton, who was conceived in July of 2019, it just reminds me that the Lord is faithful, and I'm not sitting here telling you that because we fasted and because we got laid on, laid hands on, and because they use oil that that's the reason uh, why is here. I'm not here to tell you that because that would be wrong of me because I can't promise that because I'm not all knowing, but I am here to tell you that in those moments of grief and of pain and brokenness, I fasted, and it was. It felt so good to just get prayed over church. Don't neglect this. Don't neglect this. We can fast for so many things right now, whether it's wanting to be together, whether it's just fighting the sin of just going to other things while we can't corporately worship. Like, we would be crazy to think that this time away has, has done all the good in the world, right? Like, we know we got to fight some stuff. We know. And I'm telling you, don't fight it alone. Fight it with Jesus Fight it with Jesus. It's tempting to be alone in fasting. It is. It's tempting. Look at Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. This is the Christian standard Bible, by the way. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Get that? Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city Jerusalem, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus told him, It is also written. There's a theme here, guys. Do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kings of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil left him and angels came and began to serve him. Yep. Yep. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. I'm not prescribing that right now, but I am telling you that while you fast, when you fast, you will be tempted to sin, possibly. No, you will be. (laughs) Jesus quotes directly to Satan himself while being led up to the mountain um, to to, to sin against God to do exactly what was not written. He quotes scripture. Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 8.3. Don't put the God our God to the test. Don't put God to the test. Verse six actually comes from Psalm 91, Sister Palmer, angelic provision. It is prophesied. Psalm 91, angelic provision will come to Jesus, and he got it. Verse 10, Christ cites Deuteronomy 6, 13, but reminded Satan, unlike the people of God in the Old Testament, he was the real deal who would not succumb to temptation. When we fast and we are tempted to sin or struggling with our fast, we turn to the word of God. It is not something that we just go through the work day or go through the day like, oh, I'm hungry. Oh, this is no, we get fed with the father. I I, I told my wife I was going to call these uh, call this a dinner date with the father. (laughs) you know, a dinner date with the father, because when you sit in the cross, when you sit in that dinner, you, you know, with your father, and he's, he's feeding you, you know, like he's paying for the meal, you know, um, but we're reminded in that, in that hunger pain that wells up deep inside us in the middle of the day, 2.30 is hard for me, I got to be honest, we're reminded that it's the word of God who sustains us, and we will be weak. If Jesus was weak, You can can count on being weak as well. If he was tempted, you can count on being tempted as well, but it should not lead us to sin. In fact, we should pray against the sin of us personally, of our family, of our church, of the broad church in Kentucky, of the broad church in the USA, of of the brothers and sisters in Korea, kudos to them, and the brothers and sisters all over the globe. We can pray against sin, and we can pray against people sinning against God's people. The word of God Meditating on the Word of God is essential when fasting. Biblical truth stands up much greater than you and I when we are tempted to sin and to help us deal with the world's sin. So while we're fasting, it should lead us to fight for faithfulness and fighting sin. Fasting should help us deal with sin and temptation. My third point this morning, fasting for our reward, fellowship with the Father. Now, I jumped all the way down to my third point earlier as a reference to the first point in scripture that I saw fasting in Exodus thirty-four twenty-eight. But this is this is so beautiful, y'all. In Exodus thirty-four twenty-eight, Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He did not eat bread or drink water. What did he do? He wrote down on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. In this passage, Moses was about to receive the law, the Ten Commandments. But first notice that before we heard from the Lord, he just sat up on the mountain alone and fasted. Sometimes, church, if we are to be sincere for the kingdom's work through kingdom prayer and meditating on the king's word, we need to incorporate sincere fasting disciplines into our lives. I have to believe that while we all, we, we all won't be fasting for a month and a half, as Moses did, and as coincidence, no, Jesus did, back in Matthew in, uh, Matthew in the Gospels, um, that when we are in the presence of God, our appetite for the things of this world dwindles. This is not Moses just saying, oh, I'm going to go to the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights and just not eat, because that's just how I'm made. no. This is a supernatural act of God intervening the, the, the Yahweh God, who they didn't even put vows on his name. Yahweh God is like, I'm going to sustain you in this moment. So you can hear from me. I don't need you to be eating anything right now. You ain't got to worry about that. But you finna get the law that eventually is going to help people see their brokenness and, and lead people to salvation because it is sweet, right? And I'm going to send you back down off the mountain, a changed dude. When we experience God, we are not the same. Fasting is something that should fuel our intimacy with God. It is something that when we are so hungry and broken and just weak, it, it says, I need to come closer to you. Because it's like Francis Chan said, uh, I was watching one of his sermons, it's like, imagine being face-to-face with the person who's literally holding your breath in your body. That's pretty humbling. You know, that's pretty humbling. And so that's kind of the point of like, I need to get so close to the person who's sustaining me because I need that right now. I need that right now. And your words are sustenance for me alone. We seek his advice and counsel. We wait for his word, his truth. To what lengths are we willing to go to be one-on-one with the great one? That's for you now, the rock. You got to be one on one with the great one. Come on, we can do it like he can do it because he calls us to do it. Let's do it, church. Moses stayed there waiting to see and hear from God while waiting. He ate no food, nor ate bread and had no water. I'm here to suggest that for the believer in the presence of God, he is our greatest sustenance. He is our greatest sustenance. Some of us are waiting to hear from God uh, for relief. Maybe we just need to sit down and close our mouths, taste and see that the Lord is good. Maybe it's that. John Piper said, Christian fasting at its root is the hunger or homesickness for God, meaning I was, I mean, I want this so bad. I I want to go back so bad. A homesickness for God. It tells us only half the story of Christian fasting. This is Piper Steel. Half of Christian fasting is that our physical appetite is lost because our homesickness for God is so intense. The other half is that our homesickness for God is threatened because our physical appetites are so intense. In the first half, the appetite is lost. In the second half, the appetite is resisted. In the first, we yield to the higher hunger that is. In the second, we fight for the higher hunger that isn't. Christian fasting is not only the spontaneous effect of a superior, a superior satisfaction in God, it is also a chosen weapon against every force in the world that would take that satisfaction away. So in one sense, we need this, and he is the one who sustains us. But we need that to fight the temptation and the brokenness of this world. They kind of go hand in hand. Faithful fasting leads to the Lord's reward. In Luke 2, verse 36, I want to share this testimony with you. I got a testimony, church. It's Anna's testimony. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, 37, and then was a widow until she was 84 She'd been around for a minute. She's a senior saint, as we would call her. I could imagine her right now sitting right there, hand in the glove with a glove on, you know. Um, she never left the temple but worshiped night and day. Yeah, she's she a senior saint. Like, you know, she ain't miss church, y'all. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day. What did she do? Fasting and praying. Fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child all who are looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This lady was old, and for her years, she did one thing and one thing only. She worshipped. Like Simeon, Anna, Simeon, if you go back and look at Luke 2, Simeon and Anna were anticipating God's deliverance of Israel. This is something she'd been waiting for, and she didn't just wait for it like Forrest Gump on the bench waiting on the number nine, no, she was like, I'm going to worship, I'm going to pray, I'm going to fast. And she was like, man, I, I want, he's coming, he's coming. The Messiah, the Messiah is coming. And then she, by God's grace, is old and she's, she knows that baby Jesus is, is on the scene. Man, that's, that's love, that's love. Like, fasting leads to the Lord's reward him the satisfaction we get in him now we may not be like anna and be around to see the second coming or we may be but either way we hope like anna we pray like anna we gather like anna and we fast like anna that is a picture of of faithfulness brothers and sisters anna knew the truth no matter what form it took if it was lying in a manger right in front of her Her commitment was rewarded by the Lord with her witnessing the Lord up close and in person. She didn't feel cheated because he was a baby. She believed it. She believed it. She didn't care. Let me repeat. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. And why is that significant? Because back in the day, they would just put on sackcloth and ashes. Oil and washing is the complete opposite of that. What? We're supposed to put on... The sackcloth and look—you know—it's kind of a funeral. It's it's, it's a gloomy thing. We're kind of weeping, right? We're we're mourning the loss of a of a loved one. And he's like, "I'm here. (laughs) The party started. I'm good. I'm alive and well, as they might say. It's a turn up because I'm going to turn up in three days. So that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. We, We we have a lot to look forward to. We don't just grieve the things of this world, but simultaneously we celebrate the Father's work in our life. And if you are listening to this and you are not a believer, the Father's work is this. From eternity past, God had a plan to create a world where people would know him and enjoy him forever. And he would be the sole prize of all the glory that you ever see in this world. And he did that. And he made Adam and Eve, and they were enjoying life and they were having children and they were enjoying the fruit, but then they sinned and disobeyed God and God had to punish sin because he's holy and righteous, right? And the result of that punishment, that is an eternal separation from God, meaning that we can't be with God for all of eternity unless there is a sacrifice made. His son, Jesus, died on the cross. That brokenness, that pain he took on the cross. If we believe in the death of Christ, if we believe in the person and work And the resurrection of Christ, and we call on the name of the Lord, we will be saved, the Bible says. And so if you are not here, uh, if you are here watching us and you're not a believer, we ask you to take Christ today. Don't fast in vain. Don't miss meals just to to lower your blood pressure or your calorie intake, because that's in vain. But fast, because Jesus is our reward. Our Father rewards us in secret. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful that you have revealed your word to the church, to the body of Christ, Father. Father, even now I know that my words are limited, but yours aren't. Yours stand from eternity past to eternity present to eternity future. May you have gotten all the glory out of this message, Father. May we be a church who is faithful to fast, faithful to to meditate on scripture, faithful to pray that we can stand when the world bows and bow when the world stands, Father. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.